today on Ag News Daily. Whatever you're making at capacity, you got to go to 90%. And what we did is we went from three times a day to two times a day milking. And we also had to sell a lot of cows. So that really took a hit on our dairy as well as the entire dairy industry. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Wednesday. It's Ashton Carr on the podcast today with Delaney Howell. Delaney, how's it looking up there in your part of the world? Ooh, I'm doing well today, Ashton, because yesterday was the first day of fall, which we forgot to share. And I am a pumpkin spice person. I just finished up having a pumpkin muffin. So I'm excited for fall. Uh, maybe I did mention it because fall is also my favorite time of year, you know, harvest is going on. So I'm doing quite well today. How about you? Well, I'm really glad to hear that you're doing well. I'm doing good too. Just preparing for some tests this week. It's some of the first, I had one last week, so not my first of the semester, but the first for some of my classes and just trying to prepare for that. But just like you, I'm gearing up for fall. I've had a couple of pumpkin spice items myself, and I am really excited. I want to try and talk to some pumpkin farmers because down in Floydata, we talked to one of my friends from Floydata, a cotton farmer, and he has talked to me about the pumpkin farming down in Floydata. And they're like one of the top pumpkin producers in the country or something hmm. like that. So I might just have to look into that so we can can both get a little bit of pumpkin on the podcast. Oh, that's that's really cool. That would be a great one to set up. I actually am going to a pumpkin festival this weekend in Galena, Illinois. Um, and I believe Illinois is one of the top pumpkin producing states. So yeah, it's very interesting, but I will look more into that. But other than that, Delaney, what kind of news are you looking at today? Well, I think the big headline, I'm sure you have this too, Ashton, going on today is a bill that has finally been passed, a stopgap measure here to fund farm payments. We saw that Democrats reached a deal with the White House and congressional Republicans to allow replenishments of the Agriculture Department's CCC account in exchange for prohibiting those payments to oil companies and extending some pandemic-related nutrition assistance. So a stopgap funding bill that the Democrats had released on Monday to keep the government funded until December 11th is passed, um, and it omitted a provision that the Trump administration, you know, wanted to refill that CCC account. That part has now been passed. Um, the CCC account is usually around $30 billion. And so, of course, you know, USDA distributes that to farm programs and payments and whatnot. So um, they got a lot of pressure, it sounds like, to reallocate money to that fund. And so they added about $8 billion to that fund, as well as in return, you know, getting some more money allocated for nutrition programs like SNAP. Yeah, I was keeping my eye on that today. But one other thing that I was looking at, and it's concerning Sonny Perdue, and he was asked earlier this week if he will accept another term if President Trump is reelected. And of course, Secretary Perdue was quoted as saying, I certainly will consider that and have no plans to just be a one-termer at this point in time. And Purdue said that securing trade relations will continue to be important in the coming years. 
And he also plans to continue resolving ag labor issues if appointed for a second term. And I just have one more quote from Secretary Purdue here, and it says, we essentially have a $15 minimum wage in agriculture when for the first or when for the rest of the country, the economy is $7.25. We continue to battle that and I'm not going to give up on that. So just a little bit of good news, I guess, if you're in support of Sonny Purdue trying to continue his term as the U.S. Secretary of Agriculture. But I thought it was definitely interesting that he also pointed out some of the issues that he wants to continue to focus on. Yeah. And one of those issues that I suppose he spent a little time dealing with whether or not he wanted to is a, probably your own speculation on it. But cattle price transparency has definitely been an issue since he has stepped into his role as Secretary of Agriculture. And we just saw a new bill introduced by Nebraska Republican Senator Deb Fisher, who's offering a new proposal to address some of those concerns that folks in cattle country have had about the market power and the ability maybe for meat packers to control prices. So the new act she introduced Tuesday is called the Cattle Market Transparency Act, which is really trying to ensure that there are regionally sufficient negotiated cash trades. Doesn't get a lot of indication about what that exactly means, but essentially trying to provide producers with more information on market prices. Again, no real explanation for how we're going to do that, but... Um, this bill would also prevent confidentiality concerns from being used to block disclosures of full market information to the USDA and, you know, representing the state of Nebraska, I am sure she has had a lot of her constituents suggesting that they do something like this. So, um you know, NCBA followed this up and issued a statement saying that its policy dictates that voluntary framework we are developing be allowed the opportunity to succeed or fail before supporting Fisher's idea of regional mandatory minimums for negotiated trades. So this bill has also been backed so far by Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa and John Tester of, I want to say, South Dakota or North Dakota. I'm forgetting off the top of, or wait, no, John Tester is Montana, I believe. Um, but yeah, so we've seen some support from folks across, uh, you know, the same side of the aisle, I should say, but different states supporting that bill. So we'll keep an eye on that and see what happens and, and see if we can dig a little deeper into really what this bill would propose it, it changes be for the cattle industry. You know, I also was keeping my eyes out on a bill that was introduced to the U.S. House last week, and it really just came back across the headlines today because, or not today, but I believe it was yesterday. But either way, the presidents of Wisconsin's two biggest farm organizations are in support of this bill, which I will explain here in a moment. But it's basically establishing a dairy pricing commission to help struggling dairy farmers. Wisconsin's Farmers Union President Darren Von Rudin says that reforms to the federal milk marketing orders would also be open for the discussion. And he was quoted as saying, they need to be. You know it's been too long since they've been looked at. The pricing structure, the pricing mechanism that we're currently using is getting to be outdated. We need to find another way to price the product at the farm level. And that bill was introduced by Democrat Ron Kind and Republican Mike Gallagher 
and it is called the Dairy Pricing and Policy Commission Act. And so far, there's no Senate bill companion, but if passed, the legislation would help establish a group of farmers and other dairy industry stakeholders to evaluate problems and recommend ways to respond to periods of heightened dairy production during low prices, identify identity export challenges and opportunities and consider reforms to the federal milk marketing orders. So I will definitely keep an eye out on that, but I think it also just goes along with today's interview with dairy farmer Case Vanderlei, but I thought it was interesting because of all that has been going on with the dairy industry since COVID-19. And we also talk a little bit about that in today's interview. Awesome. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to hearing that interview, Ashton. And I tell you what, I have just one other piece of news, I think, that segues us nicely into the markets. What about you? Do you have anything else that our listeners should be aware of, or should we talk, talk markets here? Let's go ahead and talk markets. Well, the reason I want to uh, talk markets here is, again, we saw China stepping in to purchase U.S. commodities, corn and soybeans here we're talking. And on Tuesday, the USDA announced sales of 460,000 metric tons of corn and 530,000 metric tons of soybeans. So we are continuing to watch that demand, you know, really push things ahead. We had been pushing things ahead. We're still seeing a little bit of pullback in the markets. Whether or not we recover from that will be yet to be seen. I'm sure we'll talk about that on Monday's Market Monday uh, program. But for now, the commodities continue to pull back. Starting off here with the December corn contract down three quarters of a cent today to close at 368 and a half, while the March down a penny and a quarter to close at 377 and a half. In the soybean pits, the November contract losing five and a quarter cent to close at 1014 and a half, while the January down five and three quarters cent to close at 1018 and three quarters. Chicago wheat pits, December losing nine cents on the day to close at 549 on the nose, while the March down eight and three quarters to close at 5.57 even. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets, they had strength today as the October live cattle contract added 67.5 cents to end the day at 107.15, the December adding $1.02 to close at 111.20. In the feeder cattle pits, the September contract added 30 cents on the day to close at 142 flat, while the October up 90 to close at 141.52 and a half. Lean hogs continued strength today as the October contract added a dollar seventeen and a half to close at sixty nine fifty. The December up twenty five cents to close at sixty four thirty five. And rounding out our markets with the Class Three dairy futures, the October contract adding eight cents to close at eighteen fifty. The November up nine to close at eighteen twenty five. Ashton, I know you hinted at today's interview, but why don't you tee it up for us? So. As we mentioned last week on the podcast, I got to go to Amherst, Texas to visit with Case Vanderlei of Red Ass Cattle Company and Five Star Dairy. Today on the podcast, I am sitting with Case Vanderlei of Red Ass Cattle Company and Five Star Dairy. And this is the first in-person interview that I've done in quite some time. So Case, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Oh, no problem. Here to... Talk about some deals, uh, some new information about the dairy industry and some Red Ass Cattle Company. So I'm from Texas, so I know a little bit about what Red Ass is. But for the listeners that we have up north that maybe don't know about Red Ass, why don't you explain what that is for a second? 
So Red Ass Cattle Company is something I started actually kind of whenever I was a senior in high school. I showed one Red Angus cow, and over the time of me going to college, I kept breeding her back, and I expanded my herd a little bit, and I finally graduated from Texas A&M, and they have a Red Ass slogan that they use. And so I thought it would be a good idea to use Red Ass for me growing a bunch of red angus animals so why don't you tell us a little bit more about red ass cattle company what are you guys producing i know you're talking about red angus cattle but what are you raising those cattle for and that kind of stuff well so y'all have y'all seen quite a quite a bit of news out there about how people are starting to want to sell beef uh online or just have uh someone that wants to buy the animal and have it go to the slaughterhouse and then just buy all the beef in halves or quarters or even the full thing. Uh, so I kind of want to get into that industry, take part of that market share. Uh, so raise Red Angus and sell beef. Awesome. And you've taken me, we're here in Amherst, Texas, and you've taken me across Five Star Dairy today. And it's just been awesome. It's a ton of stuff that you guys are doing. So why don't you give us a 10,000 foot look at what Five Star Dairy is? So what we do here at the dairy is we raise a bunch of Holstein dairy cattle. Uh, we raise it from the, from start to finish, baby calves to uh, when they're done getting milked. Uh, we also raise our own forages uh, to save on feed costs and all that stuff. Uh, we try to go to the, the whole way and be as efficient as we can um, and try to produce the highest quality milk that is on the market. <laughs> So when we were talking earlier, going on our little tour of Five Star Dairy, you were talking about how you're wanting to start breeding with Angus. So why don't you talk to me a little bit about incorporating the Angus genetics into your Holstein breed or your Holstein herd and uh, what that's really going to do for your milk production. So we have talked to some beef producers and they are going to make it USDA certified if uh these Holsteins are bred into their specific program with the right genetics and uh, it'll be certified, not Angus beef, but it'll be USDA certified in a certain way. And the reason we want to get into that is because uh, we are at maximum production and they're not allowing any more dairy facilities to uh, be made anymore. So we are going to replace as much as we can we're going to replace what we can of our herd and then what's left after that we will be breeding to angus and it'll be kind of a hedge for us to make a little more money in a in a different type of industry so if one industry was do falling a little bit we still have a hedge on this side and vice versa so you mentioned that you're kind of out max capacity no more new dairies and that's you know kind of taken I would assume a little bit of a hit on the dairy industry and, you know, going off of what you've told me about the COVID-19 pandemic and how that's kind of hit the dairy industry. Why don't you expand on that a little bit more? So when the COVID hit, it closed everything down. So for those of you listening, drink more milk. Um, anyways, whenever it closed everything down, it decreased the demand for milk. Well, not re really the, the demand, but the uh, logistics uh, it was hard for our co-op and uh, it was hard for them to get it in the stores and get it to where it needed to be. And so that kind of drug the price down and 
what they did for that is they made all the dairies uh, reduce uh, their milk by 10%. So whatever you're making at capacity, you got to go to 90%. And what we did is we went from three times a day to two times a day milking. And we also had to sell a lot of cows. So that really took a hit on our dairy as well as the entire dairy industry and just not a good deal. So I want to talk a little bit more about the technology that you guys are using because I am not familiar with the dairy industry at all. And so when I was going through and looking at some of these cows, you had some little ankle bracelets on them. Uh, you called them pedometers. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that technology and how you use it to be more efficient? So here at Five Star Dairy, we are very data-driven. Uh, these pedometers are put on every cow that can produce, produce milk. And what these pedometers do is any time a cow goes into the milking parlor, it can uh, detect their milk right there on the spot. It can read how much milk they're producing. Uh, it'll detect mastitis, digestive issues, and ketosis, which are just a bunch of diseases you don't want to have on the dairy. And we'll be able to sort them out and treat them and uh, get them back going, uh, back to their pens where they can find their friends again and get back to milking. Uh, what else, what all else it does is we can do heat detection with it. So if that, that pedometer, it, it can detect how many steps a cow takes. If a cow takes more steps that day than normal compared to, to other days, then we know that that cow is in heat and we can breed her and hopefully she can get pregnant. Uh, what else we can do with that is we have weigh scales. And like I said earlier about how we can see how much milk that cow is producing, we can see if a cow is on the heavier side and if she's not producing very much milk, there's a little ratio there to see if they're eating more than they're actually producing milk. And we can find out if she is a non-profitable cow and get her out of the herd. So you mentioned that you're pretty data-driven here at Five Star Dairy. So you had mentioned to me before we started recording about some of your cloud-based technology that you guys use. So why don't you touch a little bit about that as well? Yeah, so it's called Bovisync is a program we use. And like I said, those pedometers, they link up into that Bovisync program. And then we use our phone and we can go out in the pens. We can find a cow that, let's say she's a lame cow, which means she's crippled. Uh, all I have to do is on my phone, I click that she's a lame cow. Or if I see one that has pneumonia, I can just click that and she'll get sorted out. Uh, then whenever I put it in the phone, I go to the office and I link it up to Wi-Fi and I sync the phone and it's all the information is there uh, with this phone. I can just drive down the feed lanes. I can find a cow, plug her number in and see anything I want, any information, what's been done to her and all that good stuff. So speaking of good stuff, you're doing a lot of good stuff on social media. That's actually how I came into contact with you is through Instagram. So you are pretty young. I don't know. 20s, just 20, kind of 23, 23. Yes. And uh, recently graduated from Texas A&M not too long ago. And um, being a young dairy farmer, there has to be some challenges. So what challenges have you faced? And maybe talk to us about trying to get the name of Red Ass Cattle Company out into the world. So uh, the challenges I face is just get my name out there. Honestly, uh, 
I use social media, Instagram, Facebook, even TikTok. And uh, what I just try to do is just make it fun on the dairy by making these funny videos. Y'all check it out. Red Ass Cattle Company is the tag. What I, would, I just want to sh- share my life to my followers on what, what the dairy is actually like, how, how we actually treat the animals, which we want to treat the animals the best we can because the better we treat them, the more milk they produce. And uh, I also want to show my side hustle is a bunch of red Angus cattle. And I guess I just want to show my followers, just have them see me grow into this uh, business, hopefully turns out into a good business. So Case, I really just have one more question before I let you go. Earlier, you mentioned that you farm, your family does some farming too, and I know that you mentioned to me earlier in the day, uh, talking just about sustainability and that you want to try and be as sustainable as you can. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about your farming and how that feeds into feed rations and the nutrition side of of your dairy cows? For sure. Uh, We grow most of our own forages, uh, by sustainability, what we are trying to do is we have our own hauling crew and all the manure that is produced from the cows will put that into a truck and trailer and he'll, they'll haul it down to our fields where it's going to be spread onto our fields and then re- plowed into the ground. And then, uh, we, uh, will plant and then, uh, we grow a bunch of corn silage, earlage, triticale, wheat silage, sorghum. Uh, we try to grow all of our own forages. It's the most cost-efficient way. It's the highest cost on a dairy, so you definitely want to save money in that in that uh, area. Absolutely. Well, again, Case, thank you so much for allowing me to come out here to Amherst and letting me get just a little bit of a peek as to what you guys do. Oh, yeah. Cool deal. I enjoyed it. Again, I'd like to thank Case for having me out on the dairy. It was very interesting to be in the milking parlor. I put a little video on our story last week when I went out there and I had never been around anything like that. So it was very interesting. And I also want to point out to our listeners and to you, Delaney, that Case has put a promo code on his website, AgNewsDaily10, for 10% off of your purchase. So you can go over to Red Ass Cap redasscattlecompany.com and you can get some merch. Oh, okay. That will be awesome. Ashton, tell us that promo code one more time. So just use AgNewsDaily10 for 10% off your purchase. I went ahead earlier before the podcast and I got myself a hoodie because it is the start of fall. It's getting cooler. So I'm very excited to receive that in the mail. Awesome. And folks will also make sure we share that on our social media as well. So you guys can get your own Red S Cattle Company clothing. Ashton, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.